Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Um, I want to communicate, preach, teach, exhort, whatever the case might be, the reality of the fact that you have authority. You don't have to go get it. You already have it. But if I could persuade you that you have authority and, and get you to have more than just a glimpse of the authority you have, and then as you, as, you are, as you can see that you have authority, if I could somehow persuade you to make the decision to exercise your authority. Amen? And I would even go further, <coughs> and I borrow a phrase from Hebrews, where it says, um, A strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Who by reason of use exercise. So number one, if you can just get a hold of the reality of the authority that you already have. And then number two, if you can make a decision to exercise that authority. And then number three, go even further and make a decision to exercise that authority as often as there is a reason. Think about that last one because I'll tell you, there's lots of reasons and lots of opportunity constantly for you to exercise your authority. Amen. Now, when we talk about exercising your authority, we're not limiting that to the devil or sickness or disease. We are, limit, we are talking about anything that has to do with death. We're talking about anything that needs to be conformed to what God originally intended. Amen? So by reason of use, whether it be a flat tire you're dealing with, whether it be, um, you know, for, for those who are mechanical, and not that you just can't get undone, and you got to talk to it, whatever the case is. But not only do you have authority, and you must exercise authority, but just so that you get enough practice, take advantage of the opportunities that, that gives you a reason for use. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. Yes. All right. Glory to God. All right, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's first of all get a glimpse at this authority that you have. Even before we get to uh, hmm. even before we get to Hebrews chapter 2, just consider Hebrews chapter 1. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Which talks about the fact that, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he had spoken unto us by his Son, whom he is appointed heir of all things. Consider him. Consider Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. Consider Jesus, the high priest of your profession. Consider Jesus, who is... Your righteousness. Amen. Who is your wisdom? Who is your sanctification and redemption? Who is your holiness? Amen. Who is all the healing and health and wholeness you could ever desire? Let me let me let me let me double back here and 
Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 1. Let's take a meditative look at this verse of scripture just for a moment. Because you know the Bible says when we behold, if, when we behold the glory of the Lord we are changed into the, of what we see. In other words it's teaching you that if you want to see who you really are right, you need to look at Jesus. You need, to be, you need him to be unveiled. The Bible says there's a, in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 that there's a grace that is brought to you at the revelation or the appearing of Jesus. The more he's unveiled, the more grace is multiplied. Amen? Um, because the more he's unveiled, the more you get to hold, get a hold of who you are, who you really are. And the more you can come into that identification that as he is, so indeed are you in this world. That needs to become a, a, a living reality to us. So for that reason, over and over it will tell you, especially in the book of Hebrews, consider him, consider him, ponder on him, look at him, consider him, the author, the finisher of your faith, consider him. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30, it says, but of him, okay, let's verse 29, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh. There must be nothing that we can find that we can boast in, in the presence of God, that is apart from God. <laughs> there must no flesh, nothing from our flesh. We say, God, look at this, look at this. God says, yeah, I'm impressed. No, 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 no such thing. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That is the reason why Paul says, you know, at the end of the day, all that really matters and all I am concerned about in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, I only determined to know, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen? I don't want to know anything else except the reality that it's no longer you, but it's Christ that living in you. This is not the life that you have. So that no flesh would glory in his presence. Don't even think of that being the case. That automatically will, 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 will bury works. If any man, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, goes about to, to, to um, establish his own righteousness, right? it's futile. He's making the sacrifice of Christ of manifest. It's a waste of time. Amen? He cannot be justified. He can never be righteous. So that no flesh would glory in his sight, but of him, but of him. No, 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 this is not coming from flesh, but of him. Are you in Christ Jesus? It's God that did this. Who of God, and here you are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto you. Christ is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen. The Amplified says, but it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus. We can add it is from him that you have your peace, your joy, whatever it is. Whom God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan, etc., etc., etc. Our righteousness, and we could go on, but here's the thing. Our consecration, our sanctification, making us pure and holy, our redemption. Break this down. What, what, what is this all about? But it is, it is this life that we, that we have, who we are, all that we got, there is no boasting. Boasting is illegal by what law? By the law of faith. 
Amen? By the law of faith, any boasting in any flesh is illegal. It's unlawful. Amen. You know the scripture I'm talking about? I think it's Romans 3.27. Alright? It is unlawful. By what law? By the law of faith. So that no flesh will glory inside, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, and God made Jesus unto us what? Wisdom. Righteousness. Holiness. Sanctification. But let's see this. He's not only saying that, that, that God made Jesus, that caused Jesus to make you righteous, or make you holy, or make no, no, no. It says Christ him, or to make you wise. It says Christ himself. God says, here, I'm going to give you wisdom. Here is Jesus. I'm going to give you um, righteousness. Here, this is your righteousness. Jesus. This is your sanctification. This is your holiness. This is your consecration. This is your redemption. This is the fullness of your redemption. Here is Jesus. Now that's going to become very, very significant because now when I'm trying to comprehend my righteousness and when I'm trying to comprehend my authority, then all of a sudden I recognize, wait a minute, if righteousness is, is authority, Jesus, that's my authority. If righteousness is rights and privileges and benefits, Jesus, he is, that's my rights. If, rights, if, if righteousness is freedom from guilt and condemnation and shame, and then Jesus, hey, this is, this is the freedom. This is the no, he is the no, my no condemnation. He is my freedom from guilt. He is all of this. He is my deliverance from inferiority. He is my quote, equality with God in a sense. You follow me? And all of a sudden, man, because now, because don't forget, I need to get to a place where I understand my authority and then begin to exercise it. And, and to begin to exercise, I'm going to have to start acting like him. Because that, all of that authority flows out of righteousness. Can you see that? Okay. So that verse is, 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 is tremendous. And that is why now, when we go to Hebrews, it is important, therefore, for us to do what? Consider Jesus. Consider him. Because it's only in considering him that, 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 I, that, I, that I can arise, shine, and the glory of the Lord be risen upon me. Amen? So here in Hebrews chapter 1, God in these last days has spoken to us by his son, who he has appointed, heir of all things. Now again, in this, in this tremendous identification that we are endeavoring to capture where Christ is concerned, we must have this in our minds all the time. That as we, as we try to get revelations, we try to get a hold of it, is that we are joint heirs with Christ. So if you find out that he's an heir to whatever, whatever he has, you are joint heir with him. Amen? A verse of scripture that blesses me, I think it is Romans 5 verse 9 or Romans 9 verse 5, one of the two. But it says something to the extent that Jesus is forever blessed. No, it's 9 verse 5 then. Romans 9 verse 5. Christ, who is overall God blessed forever. That means, if Jesus is blessed forever, do you have a problem with that? Can you believe that? Yes. That he is blessed forever? Yes. Well, let me ask you something. Do you believe that you are joined here with Christ? Yes. Well, then you should have no problem whatsoever to believe that you too are blessed forever. Yes. You see, you're considering him? Yes. Can you see that? Yes. Because you see, 
That's going to be my deliverance. That is what is going to silence the enemy. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 1 talks about that. And if we go to this man, you know, he's given this most excellent name, the name which is above every name, and, and um, to which of the angels that God ever said, this is my beloved son, hear him, you know, bow down to him, da-da-da-da-da. You know, sit to, who had God, to whom had God ever said, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is the Jesus. And as we are seeing him, as I was shared earlier, everything that he did, he didn't do for himself. Think about it. Right? Was he the most high God before he got here? Was he? <laughs> he was the most high God. Amen? But he did all of that for us. That we might be partakers of his calling. Partakers of that heavenly calling, it is said in Hebrews 3 verse 1. Consider him. The high apostle and the, the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Consider him. That we might be partakers. Holy brethren, Hebrews 3 verse 1. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Partakers of that. All right, so Hebrews chapter 1 says a lot of wonderful things. It would be great if we could just go through that. But nevertheless, here in chapter 2 it says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Make sure you keep it in your remembrance. Make sure you make notes or whatever the case is. Put it on the doorpost. Don't let it slip. Because if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? This salvation that we have is so great. In fact, you know, if we can just capture the greatness of that salvation, and actually in the greatness of that salvation, is the revelation of this awesome authority that we have. Amen? Because you see, this salvation that we have restored everything that was lost. Not only did it restore it, it even brought us back to, not just what, not just what was lost in the fall, but it brought us back to what God had originally intended from the foundation of the world. The Bible says in Titus 1 verse 2 that God who cannot lie and had promised eternal life before the ages, before the world ever was. If in other words, before there was ever anything, God says, I'm going to give these people, I'm going to give them eternal life, my very own nature. That's what he said. Titus 1 verse 2. And then it says in... Um, it says in, um, in, in, well, in Ephesians chapter 1, when it talks about the fact that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, according as he had what? Chosen us. Where? In Christ. When? Before the world began. Amen? In another place, Romans 8, 29, it says, whom he had predestined, whom he had foreknown, he also predestined, to be conformed to what? To the image of his son. To the very essence and being of his son. When did he decide that? Way back 
before they ever was, before he ever said, let there be light. Amen? And the Bible says, this is the hidden, in, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7, this is the hidden wisdom of God that was ordained for us way back then for our glory. Which means what? To bring us into that place of the very character and the very essence of his being, his majesty, his, 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 his to the, you know, to speak about the glory as, as, as the fatness of God, as, as the very best of God, the excellency of God. God's plan was this wisdom, which is Christ in you, Christ who is the wisdom of God and the power of God, this wisdom was for that purpose, to bring us to that glory. Amen? And that was way, way, way back. So here God had this awesome plan, and in that included such authority. Hmm. Such authority. All right, let's, 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 let, let's continue here in Hebrews chapter 2. So in Hebrews chapter 2, it, it talks about um, this great salvation. This great salvation that restored everything, that is so magnificent, that quite frankly even goes beyond us. Do you know that the, the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? Do you know why? So that they could come into liberty. So that they could, could, they could have their salvation. Yes. Amen? And not be suffering male Jew. And mold yes. <laughs> and whatever else. Amen. I don't know what's gonna happen with the caterpillars. <laughs> I think it'll be that maybe they just be beautiful butterflies. I don't know. <laughs> but every curse, as far as the curse is found, mm -hmm. all of it will be completely wiped out because Jesus has paid the price. Amen. Because of the greatness of the salvation and the redemption that we have. Amen? Amen. So it now goes on to say in verse um Five. For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. Wherever we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man? What is man that you are mindful of him? Your mind is so full of him. Or the son of man that you would visit him. You made him a little lord and angels, and we know that means Elohim, little lord and yourself. You crowned them with glory, you crowned man with glory and honor. And remember, it said first of all that he had um, set him over, he had put all things in subjection to him, even the world to come. We're talking authority, awakened authority that we have. Amen? That we already have. And then now, how do we walk it out? How do we exercise it? How do we practice it? And God set him over the works of his hands. Now you think about what that means. I mean, God made the world to come subject to man. Right? God made all the works of his hands. Set him over all the works of his hands. That means all those stuff that those scientists are trying to figure out. And then it says, and you put all in subjection under his feet. All, how much is all? All. For that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Now that is, I mean, that can blow your mind away as to what that all is. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying this for us to get to this, for us to see this, this authority, how awesome it is. And I believe God wants us to have a foretaste of that now. Mm -hmm. And so, 
there's this tremendous authority, but because, I mean, we can have difficulty grabbing that stuff, right? So here he says, he says, here, 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 here he, helps, he helps us out. He goes on to say, and he's put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now, we see not yet all things under him. We look at man and it doesn't look like everything is under him at all. Right? I mean, tornadoes still wiping him out. Right? But even though it looks that way as if man is not in this place of authority, what do we see? Verse 9. But we see Jesus. Amen? Who was made a little Lord and he's going. In other words, it doesn't look like man is in such place of authority and the words that come in subjection unto him and, 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 and all things underneath his feet. But let me, okay, so forget about man for a minute. Let's look at Jesus. Can you see the words that come in subjection to him? Amen. Can you see all things in subjection to him? Can you see him being over all things? Can you see that? Yeah. Well, all right. According to this word, if you can see that, then you, you, then you, and you can accept that you are joint heir with him, mm -hmm. then accept that all things, things are subject to you. Mm -hmm. Can you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Is that sitting okay? Yes. Because you are joint heir, and he is made unto you whatever, righteousness, wisdom, sanctification. You have got to look at him in order. It's not just, it's not just some figure of speech. He is the righteousness. He is the rights. He is the authority. He is the, the purity. He is the perfection. He is to you. God give, God said, you know what? I'm just going to give him to you and let, you, let him be you. And that's how come you are not righteous. He was made to be sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so God says, I want you to receive that. Amen? In my sight, well, this don't need to be in your sight. That was the thing about Abraham. Abraham made that shift, and they call it they call it the shift of faith. Well, um, well, you know, they call it faith. Before him whom he believed, remember? Romans 4, 17. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened at the dead and called those things that be not as though they are. In other words, Abraham, before him whom he began to see things God's way. And that's when he got into faith. And God is saying the same thing to us. We got to make that shift too. Because don't forget... All of this authority and all the details of it is not going to work if you don't mix it with faith. Because the gospel preached didn't profit them. Why? Did they mix it with faith? Amen? I mean, look, we're talking about authority. Do we not have joint seating with Christ? Isn't that ascension? Isn't that a snapshot of authority? Where is this ascension? Far above? Or principalities, powers, might, dominion, etc. Mm -hmm. But we, we have joint seating with him. Right. Joint seating with him. Which means we share in that authority. Amen? But now, as true, that is the truth for the believer who doesn't know it, is it not? Isn't it? That's the truth for every believer. But if that believer doesn't know it, and if that believer knows it but doesn't mix it with faith, does it profit him? No. no. That is why the just, the righteous lives by faith. Amen? Alright. So, that there is just so that we can see a snapshot of what this authority is like. So now we find out this salvation is great. It's great because, because here God had this wonderful plan in the, in the very beginning. 
right? This authority that he had for us, and, 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 um, and you know, this eternal life, this his very own nature, being conformed to the image of his son, etc., 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 Christ in us, the hope of glory, and then God says, okay, let's get this show on the road, man. You know, in fact, <laughs> do you know why Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world? Hebrews 13, 8, among other reasons. Because, so that we could get his life. From before the foundation of the world, Jesus, the Lamb of God, and it calls him the Lamb, in, he, in um, Revelation 13, verse 8, that was slain from the foundation of the world. Why? That was so that we can have his life. Way back then, this, this was it. It wasn't just about, oh, I know, yes, that's where we fall, but it was because of that life that he said, I want them to have my life. I, I, I want to live through them. It's going to be father and sons. Amen? That's going to run this whole show. All the works, all the ages to come. God and sons. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. So, come creation, God says, all right, let's, let's, let's all and all figure, let's, let's get this show, let's get this thing on the road. So God created and created and then created man. And before he created man, he says, let us, let us make them in our image, after our likeness. And let us give them and let them have dominion. And if you read the Amplifies, it says something like full authority. Well, you can see that God really needs full authority just from what we read in Hebrews there. Amen. Even beyond what, what is revealed in, in, in Genesis. And let them have dominion. Let them have full authority. And you know something? He even said over the, over the fish, over the cattle, over the birds. And then just are the any children creeping things. Just are the any children the devil. Right? So it's not just authority. It's not just over the creep. It's not over the, just over the devil. It's over, it's over all the works of his hands. You see, because as believers, you know, here we are, Holy Ghost people, we've got a little bit of revelation. But when we hear authority, you know what we hear? We hear over the devil. Right? Which it includes. And it needs to include. But it's not just over the devil. Amen? So God says, let us create them. Let, them give, let us give them authority. And so on. And, and, then, so, and then God bless them. And, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish. And have dominion. God said it. Have full authority. And so here creation. Here, here we go. Here now, the authority was there. But then, what happened? Bam, fall took place. When the fall took place and Adam sinned and, and so on, he turned that authority over to the devil. And the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 12, that through sin came death. And, and that death came upon every man. Amen? So death came into the world and all that is connected to it. The Bible says in 1 John 5 18, that the whole world basically lies in the devil's lap. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says the devil became, is the God of this world. So the devil became the God of this world. Sin began to reign. Um, we become partakers of his demonic nature. Let's put it that way. And then the kingdom of darkness was not ruling. We were not placed in his kingdom. And he had the authority. Right? And it was now lost. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> right? But then here comes Jesus. Alright? To the seed of the woman. <laughs> yes. And here Jesus came and in his work of redemption 
what did he do? He basically, as the second Adam, undid what the devil did in the first Adam and then some. Yeah. And more than that. Right. Much more. Amen. Right? Where sin abounds, how much more does grace abound? Yeah. And so he came and he, and, he, and he spoiled principalities and powers. He came and the Bible says he disarmed the enemy. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 2 says that it, for as much as the children were partakers as Hebrews 2 verse 14 and 15 as much as we were partakers of flesh and blood he likewise himself partook of the same. Why? To, so that he can taste death. Hebrews 2 verse 9. And so that through him tasting death through him tasting death for every man he might destroy or paralyze him the devil who had the power of death. Right? And deliver those who, because of that fear of death, were all their lifetime held in this kind of bondage. Jesus did that. Jesus not only that, did that, but he also dealt with his sins. The Bible says he was made to be sin. For this purpose he was manifested. That the works of the devil, specifically sin, might be destroyed, 1 John 3, 8. And we could go through the whole thing. But this redemption was, was awesome. It was, it was, I almost want to say infinite. It was so great. Such a great salvation. And in it, it included the restoration of authority. Because Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, that I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of hell and of death. And then in Matthew 28 verse 18, he says, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Right? And then he says, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give it to the church. Because the church is his body. The fullness of him that fill it all in, all in all. And when God raised Jesus from the dead. And set him at his own right hand. We the church were raised up together with him. Right. And all things were placed underneath his feet. All things were placed underneath our feet. Yeah. And so Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 1. That the eyes of our understanding would be open. That we would get a revelation of what is this authority. What it is that all things are indeed underneath our feet. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, so Jesus came and he, there was this great restoration of authority. Absolutely. And that is what he was more or less prophesying about in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19 when Peter said, when Peter exclaimed, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my father which is in heaven. Right? And then he says, upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell. This rock of revelation knowledge. Revelation of righteousness. Revelation of the redemption. Revelation of the authority. Revelation of the grace. Upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. All power in heaven and earth is now mine. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose in the earth will be loosed in heaven. So here, there was this tremendous restoration of authority. Amen? But don't forget, God is still looking at what? He's looking at what he had originally intended. Amen? Amen. And that is, that's really what it's all about. Okay, wonderful, great. So, um, so, we, so to start with, we do have this awesome authority. You have it, every believer has it when he knows it or when he doesn't know it. But we got to have the revelation of it. Amen? Now, and getting hold of the revelation of the authority we have is the first part. The second part is the application. 
But let's talk a little bit about this first part a little bit. Just the revelation of it. What is necessary for us to be able to exercise this authority? We got to know what it is. But to know what it is, I believe there's a couple of revelations you need. I believe you have to have a revelation of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Together, that will give you a revelation of the authority that you have. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says that by one man offense, death reigned by one. And then it says much more, they which receive, say receive, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now it says, those which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign. Which means if they don't receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they're not going to reign. And to reign needs to be superior to. If you do not receive the abundance of grace, you could be born again, speaking with other tongues, all of that, but if you do not really receive, take. That's what receive means, to take it. Catch it. You know what I mean? Like in football, the pastor, they got to catch it. And you better, you better catch it and secure it because some, some big, ugly, like, blocker want to rip it from you and you might rip your head off in the process. Amen? So you got to hold on to it tight. There's an enemy want to steal it from you. But to receive means to take. You got to take that abundance of grace and you got to take this gift of righteousness. And if you don't, you will not reign. You're supposed to reign. You're supposed to reign in this life by virtue of what Jesus has done through Jesus. What has Jesus done? The sacrifice. You're supposed to reign in life because of the sacrifice that undid whatever the, the devil did in Adam. You're supposed to, but you can't if you don't receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that is yours as a result of that sacrifice. Can you see what I'm saying? So you have to have that. Therefore, to start with, because you see, once you get a hold of that, then you'll be able to recognize, aha, I got this authority. You've got to recognize that. Therefore, that is the reason why Paul prayed that we would have certain revelations. And part of the revelation that we must have is this abundance of grace. Christ himself is the abundance of grace. Think about it for a moment. Abundance of grace, abundance of sufficiency, abundance of enablement. I mean, God, Christ himself is grace. Can you imagine you have the abundance of the sufficiency of God and oneness with him? Should that cause you to reign? <laughs> what do you think? Yep. But we've got to have that revelation. We've got to recognize that it is the, the grace, and that grace is multiplied by revelation, etc., etc. But also we've got to have the revelation of righteousness. Amen? And we've talked about that from, from various perspectives in the past. Right standing and the freedom from condemnation and insecurity and, and so on, and rights and privileges, and etc., etc., but today, I guess what, I'm, what I want to interject as we talk about righteousness, look at Jesus. He is your righteousness. Here. Right? The law was given by Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. 
The works of righteousness by the works. Of, but no, no, no. Righteousness, God says here, I make him unto you righteous. And now you be found in him, not having your own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God by faith in him. So what we do now is now we now begin to recognize, oh, wait a minute. So there's this gift of righteousness, this gift of Christ, this gift, and then I see him and I see my rights. I see him, I see my authority. I see him, I see the freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation. I see him, I see the insecurity gone. I see him, I, lo I lose, I lose those tags of humanity, those tags of male or female or black or white or how much education or how much I didn't and what is my genes and what is hereditary. I lose all of that because I see him. As I see him as my life. I see him as my righteousness. Amen? Isn't that what Revelation 5 verse 9 is saying? That through the blood, the blood of the Lamb, he has redeemed us out of every tongue, every kindred, etc., etc. Isn't that what it's talking about? When it says we've been baptized into Christ and we have what? Put on Christ? Isn't that what it is saying when it says no make no provision for the flesh? Don't take on that identification? Isn't that what it's saying? When it says be renewed in the spirit of your mind? And put on this new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Can you see what I'm saying? So, I gotta have this revelation of the abundance of grace. I gotta have this revelation of the gift of righteousness, and I can just see my authority. But now, it goes on to say, this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, if I would receive it and if I would take it, will cause me to reign in life. By virtue of what Jesus has done, which is because of the sacrifice. Now, this is how I see it in my mathematical mind. Okay. <laughs> I see this formula. I see this equation. And on one side of the equation, I see abundance of grace, gift of righteousness, and, and of course that equals my authority and so on. And then, but because of this, and at this here, Reigns, and so on this side, I see my authority. And when I see my authority through the abundance of the grace and the gift of righteousness, is I see myself as more than a conqueror. I see that, that, I see that um, this is how I was born. Whatever is born of God overcoming the world. I see myself as this mighty warrior. Remember when God spoke to us his name? Gideon, and called him a mighty man of war? That's me. I'm a good mighty man of war. You're a mighty because of abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. But do you know something about a man, a mighty man of war? Or a conqueror, he needs some weapons. Amen? And his weapons better be good. In that he might be strong and he might be a good warrior and he might be, he might have authority. But he needs to have weapons that have authority over the enemy. And those weapons, which is the next part of the formula that will cause us to reign in life, is because of what Jesus has done, is the sacrifice. So now when I look and I recognize and I begin to identify what's in the sacrifice, I begin to see that every single one of the, the eight aspects of the sacrifice, each one of them has authority built into it in and of itself. All right? Now we can, you know, of course, we're talking crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, or whatever. We can make it simple, and we can just focus on the word. How much authority? Does the word have authority over the enemy? Yeah. Does, the word have, does the blood have authority? Yes. Does the name have authority? Hallelujah. So here you have this more than conqueror guy that was a conqueror before he ever did anything. 
<laughs> he was just born that way. He didn't do nothing. He didn't conquer nothing. Jesus did all the conquering and say, here, it's yours. All right? But now he got to go, now he got to go test the armor. Now he got to go get a testimony. Amen? Amen? But now he needs the weapons. Now he, now he got to operate through the sacrifice. And he, uh, but God has given him stuff that in and of itself has such power and authority over the enemy. So all he has to do now is, is exercise those. But in the exercising of those is what's called faith. The just, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith is confidence in that sacrifice. He must mix faith with the, with the crucifixion. He must mix faith with the word. He must mix faith with the blood. And if he doesn't, back to square one. It is, I mean, the gospel preach could have profited them all, but because it wasn't mixed with faith. Amen? You know, I, I was looking at this verse of scripture and, um, you know, which, which is to say, where it says in Romans chapter 10, reading from verse 6, it says, the righteousness which is of God, no, sorry, let me say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what it says. <laughs> Romans 10, verse 6. It says, the righteousness which is of faith <laughs> speaks, right? And it doesn't say, Jesus, come up or come down. But what does it say? It says something. What does it speak? What does it say? It says the word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. But it doesn't finish. And then it, it goes a little further. Somehow in my brain, whenever I read it, I, I stopped the thought there. The righteousness of the faith speaks. It says the word is near you. It says don't try to get Jesus to do it. You do it yourself. Right? Right? You know, um, the word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. And I kind of break it there. But then it goes on to say what word are we talking about that is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And it says it's the word of faith. It is the word of the confidence and the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. Amen. Connecting up that righteousness which is of faith directly with the speaking and the acting on the sacrifice. Which is what Hebrews 4 verse 2 said when it says the gospel must be mixed with faith or else it don't profit you. But what is the gospel? It's Christ in you. It's the cross, is it not? Amen? So, so we see then that um, it's, we see then that, that, that we must now recognize our authority but then now we must exercise our authority. How do we do that? Well, we got a revelation so that we can know that we have this authority, the revelation of righteousness, of the abundance of grace and authority. But then now we exercise it how? By having faith in the various aspects of the sacrifice, mixing faith with the name, faith with the blood, faith with the fact that it's not me here, but it's Christ. I'm crucified. It is mixing faith with the fact that I'm seated at his right hand. I'm a joint heir with him. I'm an heir together with him. Amen? And therefore, I share in his authority. I pray in the name of Jesus. I do whatever it is in the name of Jesus. Because when I do, I'm presenting him. I'm not presenting my own righteousness. I'm presenting his righteousness. I'm expecting God to do whatever I'm asking. Because if he's going to do it for Jesus, then he'll do it for me. You follow me? And when I'm speaking to the enemy, that's where I'm coming from. But I like to say, I can do this. You can talk this way to the enemy because we have a legal right to. We are the sons of God. 
We are a new creation. It is now the life of Christ here. We are not the sons of Sceva trying to make some, some magic thing work. We are not doing this because we've been given four or five steps, but we don't qualify. Because can you imagine you go, you know, like sometimes we try to tell sinners how to take the promises and use it. Give them some promises. But they're not qualified. Do you know there's a verse of scripture say where God says, I think it's in Psalms 50, like, who are you to take my word in your mouth? Can you imagine God saying that to you? <laughs> You're not qualified to put my word. Do you think that's in the Bible? Would you like to see it? No. All right. <laughs> okay, this is a sidestep. Because I, I, I can see the expression, like, come on, God didn't say that. Because then we tend to do that. We try to give people formula, and they're not qualified. They're not born again. You've got to be born again. If you're not born again, then you're still in the kingdom of darkness. All right. I, Psalm 50. <laughs> Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Yeah, 50. I was looking at the wrong place. Okay, verse 16. Okay, verse 15. <laughs> verse 15. Okay, let's verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Does God deliver the ungodly? Of course he does. He's good. He's merciful. But look at verse 15. But unto the wicked God said, who said? God. What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that you should take my covenant in your mouth? God says, what business do you have taking my covenant in your mouth? You don't have no covenant with me. That's what he's saying, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's what he says. Yeah. And then he goes on, he may explain why. Verse 17, verse 17. Seeing you are hated instruction, and you cast my word behind you. In other words, you despise my word, make little of it, and now you want to go put my covenant in your mouth? That's what he says. But, what, but say I'm qualified. That's why, that's, why the, that's why Colossians 1 verse 12 say, can say that we are being, um, we are, we are meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. What does it say? It says you are qualified. The blood of Jesus has qualified you. Amen? And that is why when we're operating in the name of Jesus, we're not presenting who we are, but we've got a legal right to that name. We've got legal rights. We have the authority to do these things. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So, um, so okay. Uh, uh, just, just to begin to kind of bring this, close this up a little bit. So here is this a great authority that we have, and we can exercise it by simply mixing faith with any particular aspect of the sacrifice and doing it when the opportunity arises. Doing it when you have a reason for use. Amen? Maybe when that pain hit, you just got a reason for use. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Are you with me? Do you, do you just ignore it? No. no. Take action. What about if somebody, somebody some, some situation happened and I mean, you, I mean, you just have a few minutes and you can't find something. You got authority. Keys, show up in Jesus' name. Peace, be still. What about if there's some weather conditions, whatever the case is? You've got authority. But the point is, every time there's a reason for use, you exercise it. Amen. So you recognize that authority, but you also exercise that authority, and you exercise it every time you get an excuse. That's the point. Amen? Yeah. And don't fall into certain traps. 
For instance, the trap of self-righteousness, believing that I'm not good enough or that I am good enough. Either way. <laughs> right? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, I believe it is, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for those that believe. Right? In other words, when you get a hold of Christ, man, you don't have to be thinking about works. And it is very and it is by him that it is totally legal to do otherwise. Alright? To try to depend on works. Trying to heap about your own righteousness, being ignorant of the one that is freely provided. It is a gift. Amen? You don't want to fall into that trap. You don't want to fall into the, to the trap of condemnation. But you see, if you keep looking at Jesus, and you see him as your righteousness, you see him as your freedom from condemnation and insecurity and inferiority or whatever the case might be. And then, again, when it comes to this issue of authority, and I think perhaps this is the biggest one, that, that Christians miss it. Right? And that is trying to get God to do what he told them to do. Amen? He told you that you are to resist the devil. You are to submit to God. You are to give him no place. Isn't that right? He says you cast him out. It says you cast all your cares upon him and that's a means by which you can humble yourself and give the enemy no place because he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and you need to resist him steadfast in the faith. And God gives grace to the humble. And casting the cares upon him rather than you figuring you can do it all by yourself is, is, is um, and if you do, then you're in a vulnerable place. Think about it. You look closely at 1 Corinthians 5 or 6 through to 8 and dissect it. And you will see that the, one of the keys to casting all your, one of the reasons for casting your care upon him is a means by which you humble yourself. It's a means by which you put yourself in a place where you're clothed with Christ and not dependent on yourself. When you don't cast your cares on him, you are dependent on yourself and you're vulnerable. You become one for whom the enemy can devour. And you're not resisting him steadfastly in the faith, in the confidence of the sacrifice. It's a simple thing, but it's very important. Amen? So you got to learn to do what you are to, supposed to do and not try to get God to do it. He says, he says you speak to the mountain, but don't try to get him to speak to the mountain for you. Right? He says, you, 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 you bind the devil. Don't try to get him to bind it. And many times we do that. We're asking God to do something and he said, like, read the word. <laughs> Do what the word say. Right? Don't talk to him about the mountain. Talk to the mountain about him. <laughs> Amen? It's very important. It's a little thing, but it's a huge thing. Because there's a difference between the believers who are going to walk in authority and who won't. Let me show you, this, this illustration came to me earlier, and I think it's a very good one. It, 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 it points out how absurd it is to ask God to do what um, he told you to do. You know, sometimes we think because we believe right. No, no, no. You can believe right and you can, you can die believing right. Do you believe this water will quench my thirst? Absolutely. Now, suppose I, I, I kept talking about it for the next several weeks and months and I don't drink it. Do I believe the right thing that it will quench my thirst? Yes. Yes, but would I die of dehydration? Yes. Why? Because I haven't acted on what I believe. Right. All right. Okay. That's an easy one. 
Yeah. But now suppose, suppose um, God, I, I get some revelation, and I understand this is water. God shows me, he reveals two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, and, and all of that, and I get some insight and some comprehension and, and the minerals, that it, and this is how, how wonderful it is. Right? But then, I ask God to drink it for me. What would happen? For me, in other words, who's supposed to drink it? Me. Would God drinking it for me? is not kind of absurd. But that's literally what we are doing when we are trying to get God to do what he's told us to do. See, if he says, you bind, you bind. If he says, you're the devil, go for me. Don't try to get God to do it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, let me see. Glory to God. All right, let me just give you the scripture. Romans chapter, no, not Romans, sorry. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said in verse 18, he said, that beheld Satan like lightning falling to the ground. Oh, did he say falling? Is that what he said? Either way, whichever word it was. But he beheld Satan like, boom! <laughs> right? He saw, you know, we talk about Adam's fall, he saw the devil's fall. And then he saw him falling to the ground. And connected to that, here is what he says in verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, anything that the devil got. Serpents, scorpions, devils, demons, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? And again, in Revelation chapter 12, from 10 to 12, we repeated the same thing. Let me read that one. He literally repeated the same thing. In Revelation chapter 12, Verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. He fell. <laughs> Which accused them before our God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Does that sound like the sacrifice? And they love not their lives unto death. Does that sound like it's no longer them that live, but it's Christ that lived in them? Yes. And the life that they now live is the life of Christ? Does it, to love not the life even unto death, like Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Isn't this something that I'm always bearing about in my body, the dying of the Lord Jesus? Mm -hmm. That the life also of Christ might be made manifest? So they overcame him by the sacrifice. Therefore, Rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Where do you dwell? Where is your citizenship? Heaven. Are you blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places? Yes. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down unto you. Has the devil come down unto you? <laughs> Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knows that he had but a short time. Where are you dwelling? Has he come down unto you? No. no. You're not dwelling in the earth in a sense because you are 
Seated where? In heaven places. At the Father's right hand. Where is that? Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. You are far above the enemy. So you are in the heavens and for those you need to rejoice. But if you have an earth mindset and you're not setting affection to the things which are above, where your life is hid with Christ and God, then woe unto you. You see that? Because he is seeking who he may devour. And we must resist him steadfast in the truth, in the faith, the truth of what Jesus has already finished. Fight that good fight of faith and stay in righteousness. Amen? Amen. And be vigilant. Be sober. Think like God. Be sober. Be vigilant. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but we are more violent. And we take it by force. That's it. Amen? So, 